Culture and Psychology with Tabana. Welcome to our show. A very warm hello from um, I'm Saide Malik Afzali, working with my two friends and colleagues from Tabana Organization, Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alex Andrade. Uh, today, we want to talk about empathy, empathy the right way. And before we started the show, I was talking to my friends and I was telling them there was an article on American Psychological Association, all scientifically um, inspected example, uh, inspected experimentally um, found reasons for uh, why we are talking about this issue. And that is Empathy is great, but the way we always felt about empathy was just feeling the person's emotions and being part of that emotion. And we felt that's how we are looking at uh, being empathetic. But what was in this article that really um, drew my attention deeply into it was a great lesson for me, because I often, when um, I have talking to my friends, my patients, um, anyone, I just feel their emotions. And it really affects me physically, because I feel like I'm going through those emotions myself. But what this article was talking about was mainly empathetically in the right way does mean that you listen with complete attention. But always remember, you don't know the other part of the story, if it's about someone else's, which usually is, or something else's, which usually is. You can, or even if someone is expressing herself or himself just alone without connection to anybody or anything, you feel the pain, but you don't put yourself into those emotions uh, so that you take off all that emotions physically from yourself. Because uh, a lot of times we hear that psychologists may go through cardiovascular issues due to the fact that constantly they're dealing with people's problem. And part of being a psychologist is actually being empathetic and have that um, great feeling of being a human and work with your patients with all your heart. But this article tells you, you can be empathetic in the right way. And that opened my eyes um, to a different way of really dealing with people's problems and listening to issues that they share with you. So I want to open this conversation with my friends and colleagues and see what they think. I was going to say, it reminds me, we've talked a little bit about this idea before of the difference between empathy and sympathy. And I think sympathy is, can be viewed at as looking down on somebody. You feel bad for them. You feel sorry for them in a way where empathy is the kind of equal, kind of embracing that person's emotions in a way where you're not getting consumed by them. So you're able to get a flavor or recognize the impact of their emotional experience without having to fully live within that experience. Uh, the example that came to mind for me was uh, the um, psychologist uh, Brene Brown has this little video where she talks about empathy. <clears throat> and in this example, she talks about how 
sympathy is looking down at somebody from the top of the hole and empathy is being down in the hole with somebody. The only piece to that that I would maybe add is you can't live down in there in the hole with the person because then you can end up taking all of that. So as a psychologist or somebody who's trying to empathize with somebody, it's being able to get down in the hole with them, but then being able to kind of help them find their way to kind of get out of that hole. And so it's not just feeling bad for them, feeling sorry for them. And so, yeah, I could see it, you know, if in our profession, if we were just feeling bad for everybody and we were taking on all those things, I I think that can be very tricky because then we can misstep in a way. I think sometimes I hear this when people are saying, yeah, this patient, they have such financial issues. Like I want to give them money. And it's like, okay, well, that's, that's, that's feeling that so much where you're taking that burden on where, you know, there's a saying you can teach someone how to fish or you can, you know, give them fish. And so it's, it's not just giving them the solution, but maybe helping them endure that, helping them to kind of move through that in a way versus just taking that on. So, so intensely you're trying to fix the problem in that way. So I think it's, it is very important to be aware of how we're empathizing with somebody, how we're emotionally connecting with somebody. Uh, I think along the lines of, you know, health issues and stress, I, I think if we're feeling that so much where we're taking on everybody's emotions, whether we're psychologists or not, that can be also very detrimental because if we're doing that to some de- to such a degree, we can't probably be of help to that person in, in a clear and kind of present mind as well as even probably helpful for ourselves. So it, it is really important to be reflective of how are we empathizing? How are we connecting emotionally with others? Well, is it, here's my question for you. Are you thinking this empathy is feeling what that person is feeling at the same time they're feeling it? Or is it an, a remembrance of, oh yeah, you know what? I've been through something like that and I, it feels like such and such. Yeah, I can recall that. Is it which, which are you or what are you saying? I think it could be both, but I'm leaning more towards the, 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 the former in that way, that it's being able to just connect with that. I don't think you have to have had that experience because we can talk with friends and they could be going through something we never gone through before, but that doesn't mean we can't be of help and support and even hear the emotional toll that it's taking on somebody. So I think sometimes that that's a, it's perceived as like you have to know what somebody's going through in order to be able to emotionally connect with them. I, I think a lot of times there's a few things that we maybe know through our own personal experiences that, you know, somebody is maybe going through, but I mean, we, we all live life through our own eyes. We all walk in our own shoes. We can't know exactly how, but to me, and that's where empathy is. It's, it's, it's like a, a bridge where it's not being exactly a hundred percent in that person's emotional experience but yet being able to relate and connect in that way. You know, we can say, I think a a kind of a a straightforward example would be something like sadness. We may have our own experience of sadness, but enough of it relates where if I said, Hey, Daniel, I'm feeling sad. You could get a sense of what I'm experiencing and what I'm going through, but you don't know exactly how that feels for me. And so I don't think we have to have gone through that and know those things but we can relate to that. And empathy is doing that in a way where we're keeping a little bit of distance. And again, not that we're trying to purposely uh, kind of be emotionally, you know, uh, disengaged, but 
where we're not so engaged that we can't be of help and support to, to our friend, to, to that person. And I, have okay. to, and I have to say in this article, it's mainly everything about how wonderful it is to have empathy. So in general, it's a powerful thing that we possess if we, are empath- if we have empathy towards any human being, towards any person who shares things with us. Um, it's definitely uh, a positive behavior to have empathy. But what actually helped me to understand better was you have to separate yourself emotionally. Do whatever it takes to support that person, put yourself into the shoes of that person with difficult situations. But emotionally, when you take everything from that person, you don't know the other side. You have to just ask questions with curiosity, ask questions to find out more, ask questions to know why that person is going through that emotion. Because Sometimes we can actually by questioning and finding out exactly what happened, we can better help that person rather than jumping completely into the situation and putting ourselves into their shoes because they may completely have a a wrong idea of what has happened. And we can help them to find out really maybe the other person who said something that made them feel really bad, maybe they didn't mean it, maybe they're taking it wrongly. So basically, my understanding of this whole article was a lot of great stuff about building empathy in ourselves, even if we don't have it, try to connect with people, connection more with um, society, with people in uh, social life, actually brings more empathetic feeling towards them and towards humanity. It's all about positive behavior. It's, It's all about good things when we have empathy. But the part that was interesting to me, again, once I say, so that our listeners understand, empathy is a wonderful tool to connect with human beings, to listen to people that we are associated with or we are dealing with. But it's important when you fall into, as you mentioned, Alex, if you are going down with them, then you're down. You can't bring them up. You have to stay up, listen, but emotionally separate yourself so that you can hold their hands and bring them up from the hole. Let me ask this Daniel Rockers type question for the two of you. Uh, This is a debate that a a good friend of mine and uh, therapist, he's actually been on the show before, Joel Meyer, um, that we we frequently have. We've revisited this conversation several times, but it directly relates. uh, And the question is, can empathy be learned or is it innate? And I think as therapists, we've always asked this question, like, is this, were we drawn to this field because of our ability to innately empathize, or did we have to learn how to empathize? What do you two think? Is empathy learned or is it innate? It's both, I think, but also relating to the article I read, a lot of it you can learn because when you connect more with people and you learn more about people's life and what they go through, you gradually uh, create uh, that empathetic um, behavior built in you more and more. It's just like, you know, when you, for example, start learning something, you practice and you practice and you practice and you get good at it. 
I think this is both. You have to have innate to start going through to a profession that you're dealing all the time with people. So you have to have that innate for most part, I would say. There are some people that I don't know, but I'm just saying in general, uh, nursing, medical field, uh, teaching, there's some profession that you need to have something innate that you want to serve, you want to help. But also there are probably handful of people who do it for some other reasons. I don't know, but I'm just saying in general, that's something that is in you that you go through this and you want to help people. But the other thing is you learn so much along the way. I can just give an example about my teaching. When I started teaching, I really didn't want to become a teacher. I always wanted to become a business person. I went through undergrad, finishing my business degree, and I was always looking for a business. I started my business, but it's interesting now that you say it's innate. I started going to my son's school and helping the classroom, helping the testing and stuff. And people picked that teaching um, in me and sharing in me that they started telling me, why don't you become a teacher? You are good with kids. You are, you can relay your knowledge and you can teach them. And they honestly pushed me to go get your degree, become a teacher. And I was just thinking, I don't want to become a teacher. I had my father in education, my sisters in education, and I saw how much they will work hard uh, and, and they didn't make that much money, but I don't want to do that. But gradually I was drawn into it by, uh, and, and we know in psychology, there's something about people picking up something in you and then they sort of, and then you can find that from people that they see you and, and you go through that. But in general, I'm just thinking when I became a teacher, I learned so much by practicing, by learning, by, um, you know, doing something in not a right way, and then see the result and then changing it and work on myself to become a better person, a better teacher, a better relator. I mean, you know what I mean? I think it's both. For me, or at least my idea is. What about you, Daniel? Uh, learned or innate for empathy? Is running learned or innate? Mm. That's my response to. You can't ask, a, you can't answer a question with a question. I didn't realize there was a condition on that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You, you Hey, I, I told you from the very beginning, a Daniel Rockers type question. I get a Daniel Rockers type <laughs> answer. What, what, what do I expect? Come on. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, along those lines, my take is very similar to Saide's response and that I think it is some of both. I think we have the capacity for it. I think we're born with capacity for it and that's up to us to develop it in some ways. Plus, I, I think there are many different types of empathy, really. I think there's an empathetic understanding of perspective. I think there's empathetic understanding of emotion. I think there's empathy in terms of how people think um, how people act. I suspect there's many types of empathy. I bet it's not really just so simple as one, really one kind of thing. 
That's a good point. I didn't think of that that way. And also, we are at the break time. So we come back and continue our conversation. Shenvandigan Aziz Radio Bamdad, I guess the day more as Radio Bamdad. به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین ما روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه در رادیو بامداد ساعت دوازده که بعد از ظهر تحت عنوان کالچر اند سایکولوژی صحبت‌های روانشناسی و صحبت‌های روزان روزمره داریم و مسائل فرهنگی رو دنبال می‌کنیم امروز صحبتمون در مورد همدردی هستش و چطوری این حس همدردی رو میتونیم داشته باشیم به صورتی که خودمون رو از نظر احساسی دمیج نکنیم، صدمه به خودمون نزنیم که بهتر بتونیم با حس همدردی درست خدمت بکنیم به خاطر اینکه در حرفه روانشناسی انقدر شما با مشکلات مردم سرکار دارین خیلی از روانشناسا بر اساس ریسرچی که من توی امریکن سکلاشکل اسوشیشن میخوندم ممکنه دوچار مسائل قلبی بشن به خاطر اینکه خیلی درگیر میشن با مسائل مردم و خودشون رو بیش از اندازه از نظر احساسی ممکنه صدمه بزنن بنابراین امروز داریم صحبت میکنیم که چطوری میتونیم همدردی بکنیم از راه درست به این معنی که سوال بکنیم به این معنی که بدونیم واقعا چه اتفاقی افتاده و شاید بهتر بتونیم به شخص کمک بکنیم وقتی خودمون خیلی درگیر اون احساسات نشیم که نتونیم درست تصمیم بگیریم برمیگردیم و ادامه صحبتمون رو با دکتر دنیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده ادامه میدیم. back with Dr. Alex Andrade and Dr. Daniel Rockers. We continue our conversation about empathy. And if you just turn on your radio and you hear us talking about empathy, the first part, we talked about empathy in general and also doing empathy or behaving empathetically in a right way. And by that, we were talking about how much we can support people, especially in this profession, but also not going down with people that we are helping because that way we are maybe not logically being able to help them. But if we understand them, we listen to them, we uh, feel what they feel, but separate our emotions so that we can help them better. Uh, We continue our conversation about the right way of empathetic behavior. Not to get too uh, technical, but uh, one of the thing, first things that comes to mind too, and talking with somebody, one of the things I've uh, really kind of focused on is, is being very aware of kind of wording and verbiage. 
I often sometimes hear people trying to empathize uh, that um, in a way where they're saying, I know, or I understand. And I think sometimes that can be mis mis misheard or, or taken the wrong way. It's like to know somebody's experience, to understand it completely, I think sometimes can be offsetting for a lot of people versus kind of even just being able to say that I, I hear you're struggling, I hear you're hurting, um, and just being, again, attentive and receptive in that way. I feel sometimes even dismissed, oh, I know what that's like to, to, to be sad, or, oh, I understand what that's like. And it's like, well, you're saying you know uh, like very fully what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through. And in my professional work, I've, I've seen that kind of being more, more hurtful and even sometimes deter people from seeking support. Um, sometimes even seeking therapy. I've had people say, you know, Oh, my therapist said they understood what I was going through. And it's like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't, you know, you're not living in my shoes. Um, but also too, I think it can be, want it and, and sought to, to have somebody be able to relate with what we're going through emotionally. And I think that can be done in those ways of, you know, just acknowledging the emotion and the uh, impact that that's having on a person's life. But those words, I understand, I know, I, I've always encouraged people like be, be cautious when using those. And so if you're trying to offer support or trying to hear a friend or family member, uh, just be very, very thoughtful in that way. Daniel, you look like you have a, you have a comment there. I do. I would be even stronger on that. And I would say, do not say, okay. I know how you feel. Do not say, I understand how you feel. I think it pisses people off and it minimizes their experience. And I totally agree that it does more harm than good. People feel not understood. If you say, oh, I understand how you feel. Um, no, don't do it that way. A better way is it sounds like you're blah, blah, blah. Or is it, you ask, ask a question, is it like when you go through a door and it opens and you didn't realize it was already open? Ask, is it like, something and then they'll say no not really like that and then they'll clarify or they'll say yeah that's it it's more like that then they feel really connected sure. yeah but if you just give the the outright i understand or i know how you feel that is like even can, can I, real quick can i clarify did you just describe running into a glass door on accident is that what you just described like when you walk through a door and you don't realize the door is open is that what no. you're describing because that hurts that hurts and and that's you have to have gone through that in order to know what that feels like and I, i'll just say that i won't say you know how about what you know I how i feel i, I know saying? but i know what that feels like yes i could say i know what that feels like to walk into a glass door but anyway yes yes sorry said oh you I know another input, thing too to just to jump on that is to say uh, I think it is always helpful to say, I don't know exactly what your what you've been going through, what your experience is, but I think I've had something similar to it. If this happened and then they can, then you're together working on the thing. Saidea, I kind of interrupted you. What, what, no, no, were we no, no, that's good because I actually wanted to say something in regard to what you just mentioned very lastly. I was going to say that even if you have gone through similar situation, for example, I was just thinking loss of your parents, it's huge, right? And then if somebody loses a parent, yes, you have felt it deeply, but it might be a different feeling, you know, because there's so many other things that are involved, not just losing, you know what I mean? 
It's like how much you regret things you didn't do, things you did. Were you close to your parents? Were you attending, you know, the last moments of their life? I mean, there's so many pieces into the same thing. Yes, you feel what it's like to lose a parent. And you can say, I understand how difficult it is. But then you have to ask questions to know more. Because things are, are uh, you know, not the same, even though in general, you may think it's the same. There are pieces into that that still needs to be clarified. I think even if you don't necessarily understand how somebody feels, the attempts to understand how somebody feels functions as empathy in a somehow, some way, and is very helpful. If I know somebody is at least interested in knowing how I feel, even if I can't end up communicating that or they don't fully get it, I would still feel close to them. One of the things that in this article, first of all, you'd be amazed how many professors of psychology in the most high level universities around the world have done some research on empathy. I was amazed to see from Harvard, from Yale, from uh, Oxford, from all over United States and the world, there are so many researches on empathy. One of the things that it was suggested, which I think is very, very important, is listening with all your ears and all your heart, if you want to really understand what the person is going through. Even though they recommend not emotionally get involved, because that way you may not think logically, but ask questions. Very, be very curious on details so that you understand better and you can help and support better. And also one of the other suggestions in many researches that um, I was reading about this empathy was as Alex questioned, you need to actually learn more by talking to more people and socialize more and open the door to understanding different um, diverse diversity is important in this. Because when you know, and actually they were talking at one research, they were talking about racism, which we have talked about in our other shows. Um, in order to understand racism, you need to ask questions and you need to understand the other part as much as you may understand your part or where you are in that, but you need to ask questions. And many times in political issues, we are passionate about our, our ideas and the way we understand politics, but always be open to listening. And that was something that was really interesting that sometimes we're passionate about something and we talk about it, but we are passionate because we are only thinking of one way and that's our way. But remember that there, there are always other ways, there are other ideas, uh, there, uh, you, know, uh, you know, talking about political issues, we, um, notice the division between people around our country. So sometimes people didn't even want to hear the other part. 
But one of the suggestions and recommendation in this article was that when we are open to other ideas, we understand each other better. And in order to be empathetic, we need to listen. We need to be curious. We need to um, just wholeheartedly, even though we are completely on the opposite side, but listen, maybe there's something in that that you haven't thought of and maybe opens your mind about that. I think that's a a huge part of empathy too. It reminds me of what Daniel mentioned yesterday of not just trying to jump into a solution and, and with empathy, it's not just trying to offer some support or condolences and and just jumping to making the person feel better. It's more about being with them in the emotion. And I think that's a harder thing to do because I I find a lot of times it's so uncomfortable to be around, you know, when somebody is struggling or hurting in that way, I I give a horrible example, which is uh, me when I was younger. Uh, I remember being a teenage boy and like most teenage boys, um, uh, let's just say I was not always the nicest. And so I remember um, when I was around like girls and they would start crying, I wouldn't know what to do. I would like almost be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta leave. Like, I just like, I was like, I can't handle somebody crying. Like this is just so uncomfortable. And so because it made me feel so uncomfortable, I just would like almost shut down. And so uh, I, I obviously don't leave the room when people are crying now. I, I jokingly say I get paid therapy uh, uh, tokens for that. You know, we just make the joke that, you know, therapists, we, we feed off of the tears of our patients. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm just joking when I say that. But yeah, now I can endure when somebody's crying. But at first, I, I remember being young and it was uncomfortable because like you don't know how to console a person or what to say when somebody is hurting in that way, you just feel powerless, I think a lot of times. And so, and just to be clear, I wasn't the one making them cry. I I see the look in both of your guys' eyes right now. I was not, I did say teenage boy, but that doesn't mean I was the only reason why they were crying. I just want to clarify that too. No, Alex- I think you're a mind reader. (laughs) I love how you both jumped in too. (laughs) You're like, Alex, yeah. (laughs) It both said Alex. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say one of the things actually um, people always say, because not many people really are um, deeply understanding how to be empathetic. You know, obviously we are in a profession that not only we practice this all the time, but we read more, we read research, that's our daily life. But I remember now, Alex, when you say that, I've heard that from many men. Uh, my father was one of them. He couldn't bear with one of us girls to cry. And at that point, my father would just say anything we wanted, we could get from him when we cried. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, what do I do to just yeah. get this over? You know, I mean, he was. It's, it's, a, it's a powerlessness. Yeah. I can only imagine as a caring, loving father to not yeah. be able to soothe or help. I think that's what it brings up for a lot of people. It's like, yeah. we're so powerless. And imagine, I mean, it's somebody you love, it's your your children, your, your yeah. spouse, and you can't take that. You can't just take that away from them. You can't just replace it with happiness. So I think, yeah, it is, it's hard. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll throw gifts and presents at somebody like here, here, here's some candy. Like just stop crying. You as a teenager, I've seen it in my father with, with, uh, you know, us that educated person, experienced person, 
raising us. You know what I mean? It's like, even I remember he would be definitely at a point that he wanted to do anything to stop that crying. And I've seen it, especially as a teenage girl, you know, many things happen that bothers you and you start crying at home. And my father would just jump. My mom would just ask questions and find out what was happening. But my dad was like, who halted me? Okay, what do you want? Do you want to go out for dinner? <laughs> you want money? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> it's the example of that sympathy thing. You know, it's like you jump in, you want to do something to get it over with. And our time is up for another break. We come back to continue our conversation. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه تازه صدای ما رو از رادیو بامداد میشنویم و صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی دارین گوش میدیم ما روزهای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت 12 تا که بعد از ظهر از رادیو بامداد به زبان انگلیسی با دو تن از همکاران و دوستان روانشناس دکتر انراده و دکتر راکرز صحبت های کالترال و روانشناسی و روزمره می کنیم امروز صحبتمون در مورد حس همدردی و درست همدردی کردن بود در دو قسمت اول برنامه و اینکه ما چطوری میتونیم اولا این حس رو در خودمون تقویت بکنیم با گوش کردن درست سآل های درست و اینکه متوجه باشیم که شخصی که داره صحبت میکنه نگیم بهش که ما میفهمیم تو چی داره میگی برای اینکه هر کسی شرایط و تجاربش فرق میکنه فقط گوش شنوا داشته باشیم سوال بکنیم که بهتر بتونیم تشخیص بدیم چی داره اتفاق میفته و اینکه واقعا اون چی که از دستمون برمیاد و کار درستیه برای شخصی که دوچار مشکل شده بکنیم ما تا کنون بیش از 120 تا 130 پادکست از رادیو بامداد داریم در مورد تاپیک های مختلف روانشناسی و شما میتونین از طریق آیتون و گوگل ما رو سرچ بکنین و بر اساس زمان مناسبی که دارین به پادکست های ما گوش بدین و خواهش میکنم اگر کسانی هستن در منزل یا میشناسین که ممکنه از برنامه ما به زبان انگلیسی بهره ببرن دعوتشون کنیم به برنامه ما در روزهای شنبه و شنبه از رادیو بامداد توجه کنم برمیگردیم و دنبال صحبتمون رو در مورد همدردی ادامه میدیم
are back with Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers, and we continue our conversation about empathy and the article that we read on American Psychological Association with many scholars and psychologists around the country from um, prestigious universities and each had a great conversation regarding how we can build empathy in, in ourselves, in each other, and also how as psychologists we can be empathetic in a right way. So we continue our conversation. Uh, the two first parts of our conversation was basically talking about whether we can learn empathy or is it innate in us? Uh, we each had our um, part uh, that we shared and we basically, all of us believe that it's both because when we choose the profession of being a psychologist, definitely there's something innate in us that we like to listen to people. We want to uh, support them in any ways we can, but also as we practice in our profession and in many other professions that they deal with people, uh, empathy actually is built and learned along the way. So um, my colleagues, uh, if you want to add uh, to this conversation, I appreciate it. Well, I think it's also important too in this idea of empathizing the right way, which I think is a great topic. We're, we're encouraging this idea maybe of empathizing in the wrong way. I think also along those lines, it reminds me of this idea of like empathetic overload, which a lot of times I think we refer to as like burnout. Uh, a lot of times what I find is people who are our patients are people what I call caretakers. And I always put myself in this category too, because as a therapist, as a psychologist, I take on that role of trying to help and, and support and take care of others. And so I find a lot of times that the people who are coming to therapy are these caretakers and they're also exhausted and drained. They're, they're stretched too thin sometimes by trying to be there and to give to other people in their life. And so I think this is a very common uh, occurrence of just trying to be everything for everyone. And then what ends up happening is there's even less and less space for oneself. And so I think in, in giving and supporting to others, it doesn't have to mean at our detriment. I often encourage people that, you know, therapy sometimes can seem like a selfish endeavor, but it actually often benefits those within our lives too. It's not just we're being selfish or we're just focusing on ourselves. A lot of times it can be really important to take care of ourselves so we can be there for others in our life in a balanced way. Because if we're just giving and we're just being empathic to others, at some point we don't have enough for ourselves. And sometimes we, we won't have enough for those closest to us. There's the uh, defense mechanism, uh, correct me if I'm wrong too. I think it's uh, sublimation where it relates to the idea you come home and you kick the dog. Uh, because what happens is you, you, the idea is like, you're so frustrated. You, you take it out on those closest to you. And so rather than, you know, processing those emotions in a way where you're not only able to be good for yourself, but also to those closest to you, you know, you end up you know, hurting the people that you're trying to help or hurting the people that you're closest to. So that empathic overload or burnout, I think is so important to recognize, not just within our field as psychologists, but also for people who are caretakers, for people who are constantly feeling the, the desire, the push to give to others in that way. 
I think sublimation is different than that. I think sublimation is where you have a frustrated goal, but you're able to convert it into something constructive. Mm, okay. Okay. Thank you. But what you're describing to me, at least, is misdirected anger. Mm. You know, you come home and kick the dog. Dog is not doing anything. <laughs> probably not doing something it shouldn't be doing. It's just being there and probably trying to be helpful and empathetic too. <laughs> That's what the dog gets for trying to be empathetic. <laughs> a boot, not very nice. <laughs> you know, my thinking on this topic is, I think, because we talked about the jump into solutions too quickly and a number of other things, and also whether we respond correctly to the person or not, or I know how you feel, those types of things. I believe, this is my very strongly held belief, that most people need or want to be accompanied on their journey as opposed to us solving their problems. Some people do need problem solving, but most of the time, most of us need someone to accompany us on our journey. So I look at my job as a therapist as more one of accompanying people on their journey. And I think of others, and that includes listening. I mean, when we listen to somebody, we accompany them on their journey. We're going with them on their journey. That's what we all want. And that's in and of itself, like Carl Rogers said, that's very healing. That's a very healing thing when somebody gets us and they're with us on our journey. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Let me just correct. I, I looked up its displacement, that defense mechanism. I was, yeah, that was the one I was thinking about. Yeah. Okay. Sublimation where sublimation is where it's a more constructive, we're, we're, we're channeling those impulses or those urges in a more socially constructive kind of way. So just want to clarify for listeners don't want to give them misinformation. So yeah, displacement is kicking the dog. Yeah. But don't kick your dog. Do not kick your dog. If you, every time you kick your dog, is that displacement? (laughs) I just want to make sure your dog is going to be displaced by uh, some kind of, (laughs) somebody's going to take your dog from you and it will be displaced. All right. The displacement agency. Yes. Talking about dogs, uh, you know, it's aside from our conversation, but recently we had a new dog, uh, aside from the one we had, I always wanted to have another dog. So we got this from a friend, five-year-old Panamanian. I I always have a hard time pronouncing it. What is that word? I (laughs) I don't even know that word. I just say palm. <laughs> oh, Pomeranian. Pomeranian is that it? I, I always struggle with it too. Yeah, I was yeah Pomeranian. To say but, anyways, uh, that was not trained after five years. You have always heard that uh, you can't teach the old dog new tricks. So, we had him for two months and I tried everything you can imagine. I read two books, I was walking him four times a day, trying my best. And uh, I finally couldn't be empathetic with his behavior. And it was the toughest thing that I tried my best. And finally, we had to give him away. And the new people who got him, uh, actually, they did the right uh, way of empathy, I think. You know, now thinking about this, they put him in two weeks training camp. And then also, they hired a trainer. I don't know for how long, but... And they were so happy with him. They loved him so much. And and I think I probably, we should have done that if we wanted to keep him. 
but I was uh, just thinking, you know, our other dog, we trained him ourselves and it was working completely well. But again, thinking about this reminds me of how these two dogs were completely different, two different uh, breed, two different way of, um, you know, behaving personality. And they did the right way of empathy. I was trying one way, so I probably wasn't, it wasn't working through that way I was doing. I was putting so much of myself into this, but they did the right thing and they're happy. And I was just suffering from all this effort I had put in and didn't work. But I wanted to also go back to what Alex said. And this is something that um, Dr. Jamil Zaki, who is a professor at um, Stanford University talks about psychological super, uh, sees empathy as psychological super glue that connects people and um, teaches people kindness and cooperation. So it is with everything that I have highlighted in this article says that we can teach people empathy and we can learn to become empathetic. So basically all the research confirms that empathy doesn't come naturally. Research suggests people can cultivate it and hopefully improve a society as a result. This is what this professor from Stanford University as a result of research says. And it says in general, empathy is a powerful predictor of things we consider to be positive behaviors that benefits society, individuals, and relationships. I agree. I think, I mean, without, I'm just trying to think of what, without empathy, what would socializing and connecting look like if, if you didn't, I mean, you'd have to care. So there would be a lack of caring. It'd be like somebody would say something and then they're like, okay, anyway. Yeah. So what's going on with me is, yeah. So, and, you know, I know how, you know, we may have had that experience and how big of the, you know, that just shuts a person down when it's just, uh, you know, a person is not even interested or caring at all about what you're going through or what you're experiencing. I give the example sometimes of, um, to patients of, from a self-psychology perspective, the importance of, you know, affirmation and validation and the importance of being heard and seen. And as adults, one of the ways that we do that is that we'll come home and we'll tell our significant other how our day was. And a lot of times we know how our significant other's day was. We can probably even tell you all the characters within their day. And so it's maybe not so much about actually telling what happened, but more of a, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. And so we know how valuable that can be and how nice that could be if somebody says, oh yeah, this is, you know, that one guy was a jerk again and then this happened and uh, yeah, I was tired and I went and ate lunch here. And so, you know, again, it's that sharing of one's experience. We know what happens if a person doesn't ask how your day was. Imagine you come home and it's not like, oh, how was your day? And they just tell you about their day. And then keep going along. It's like, well, you want to know how my day was? Oh, yeah, sure, I guess. Yeah, whatever. And so we know that that can really be a kind of a letdown for somebody to not feel heard, to feel acknowledged, validated. Uh, so we, we need that empathy. We need to care how others are experiencing things. 
And then that guy, Alex, said, and then side A said, and I couldn't believe I was still. <laughs> then Alex made side A cry, and he hung up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Daniel gave her money, and she was okay. Yeah. It was all bad. Yeah. I believe it. Okay. Well, Alex, you talked about draining, and I just found part of this article as I was reading the right kind of empathy. Uh, it talks about a research that Dr. Pauline, who is a professor at Buffalo University, talks about empathy is often crucial for psychologists working with patients in practice, especially when patients are seeking validation of their feelings. However, empathy can be a draining skill if not practiced correctly. Over-identifying with someone else's emotions can be a stressful, leading to a cardiovascular stress response similar to what you'd experience in the same painful or threatening situation. And also, uh, he continues saying that outside of clinical practice, some scholars argue empathy is unhelpful and even damaging sometimes. For example, Dr. Bloom, who's a professor of Yale University, argues that because empathy directs helping behavior towards a specific individuals, most often those in one's own group, it may prevent more beneficial help to other. So empathy um, basically has controversial um, conversation among, um, you know, big known psychologists. But what are the... What? translate that what you read there what is that what is he saying is he saying well, I, if yeah the way i understand there's in group out group so if you are talking about in group so you don't understand you're not empathetic to out group um that's also a question that is here so it says um you know basically uh, it's uh, something that it's against empathy if you are um, you're thinking of often one's own group rather than, because then continuous talking about how do we deal with in-group, out-group, and if we don't have empathy towards the out-group, because we each have faced in reality in life that we have in-group and out-group. Even in our social, simple life, we have faced that we have a group that we know and the members are close, and then all of a sudden someone from out-group says something, and we look at that with a different way of perceiving. You know, that's the way I, I understand it. Okay. So it's not so much that if I have empathy for my in-group, I don't have it for the out-group. Is it that? Yeah, but it says basically uh, it may prevent more beneficial help to others if we just have empathy to our in-group. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. what are we doing? Again, back to what we are emphasizing on how much we need to be open to questioning. And even if um, someone is from out-group and we open our eyes and our mind and our heart to listening to them, that can be political, that can be social issue, that can be simple conversation we have with people, you know, we always have more empathy towards people we know than people who are out group. That's, uh, and, and also 
by that, we are towards the end of our program or, or, or end of our show. And uh, we can just each say a statement and finish our conversation. She's pointing right at you, Alex. I think she was pointing at me. Yesterday, Dr. Daniel Rockers started first. Now, Alex, it's oh, you. There we go. Fairness. I like it. Uh, in regards to message I'd like to leave with listeners for today, um, kind of reemphasizing what I mentioned earlier, that idea of, you know, being aware of kind of what we're saying. It's not that anything you say is going to be taken the wrong way necessarily, but I find, again, those can be very charged uh, kind of words to say, I understand, I know. I think that also emphasizes the importances of the importance of listening versus having an answer or response to somebody. Uh, to be able to just listen, to be present, uh, that sometimes can be so uh, powerful and so important for somebody. Very nice, Alex. I would extend that just a bit and say that the key is to accompany people on their journey, you know, to solve the problem. And if you don't know what to say, it's often good to just say that. I really don't know what to say to you here. I'm with you, but I don't even know what's the right thing to do. I've said that to people before and with good response. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's very powerful, Dan, I think. If I hear that, I feel like you're genuine and and you're a good listener, but also you don't have anything in your plate right now to share. Uh, And I want to say scholars have shown across domain that um, empathy motivates many type of pro-social behaviors, for example, forgiveness, being volunteer, uh, giving and uh, giving to other community members. I think empathy is something very necessary as a human being to be cultivated, even if we don't have it in it's not really innate in us because we can't expect everyone to have empathy, but we can think of cultivating um, empathy. Um, And I think it just brings up many good um, behavior in, in a person when you have empathy, uh, you just have more kindness towards people, you're more um, a human. Um, So we have to just try to listen to each other more, understand um, where we come from, what is in our head, so that we can have a conversation and understand each other. With that, I want to say goodbye to our listeners and thank my colleagues and my friends, Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers, for a great show and great conversation. We come back next week and we continue our conversation about another topic in culture or psychology. Have a wonderful week ahead and see you next week uh, and talk to you next week. Yeah, now
رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا